Welcome to episode two of the Football Shirt Pod. My name is Josh, and today we're joined by the brilliant Joe Dempsey uh, of Game of Thrones fame, but more importantly, a massive Nottingham Forest fan. I'm stood in this lift with Jose Mourinho, and, I, and a couple of like seconds of silence, and they go, "You right, Jose? <laughs> as uh, as as preseason." <laughs> So, Joe, talk to us about Nottingham Forest Football Club and what Nottingham Forest means to you. Forest is my local team. I can I can see the top of the Trent End from my bedroom window. So it was always something that was that was there and was around. And I guess it was just a case of when I got interested in football, which I think I mean I think I played football sort of in the garden or whatever for as long as I can remember. But I don't remember getting pro- you know there's a difference between that and being obsessed you know yeah. as a lot of us get when we're kids and I think that happened around the age of seven so 94 I remember the first my first memory of watching football staying up late to watch a football match was the the World Cup final in 94 the shootout between Italy and Brazil yeah um, and and I was hooked from that point on and then it just so happened that the following season 94-95 Forest uh, were great. Um, we'd just been promoted back at the first time of asking to the Premier League, and we had um, Frank Clark as manager, players like Collie Moore and Brian Roy, uh, Lars Bahin, and all you know, all that. And we, and we finished third in the league. So I think it was. So that was the season where I went to my first game. I think my dad obviously thought I was old enough to, you know, to be taken along to matches now. And um, and then yeah, and from that point on, yeah, I became totally obsessed. I first got a season ticket at the age of about 14, I think I was. Um, I'd stopped playing football on Saturdays, and I'd, uh, so I started going to watch Forest. And um, and for about three or four seasons, um, I had a season ticket. Uh, there was one season in particular where we, me and my mates went home and away pretty much every game. It happened to be the season where we got relegated to League One. So it wasn't... That was the irony. The irony was that it was it was in, in terms of the football, in terms of in on that side of things, it was it was appalling. But it was yeah. the most fun we'd had actually, you know, in terms of the experiences we had that season. So um, and 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 at that age, it did it did it felt like it defined my week if Forest won or lost. And and at that age as well, sort of fourteen, fifteen. Looking back, it was probably quite a good outlet for you know some sort of pent up teenage aggression you know we used to we used to sit in the a block which is the rowdy part of the ground and um you know let off a bit of steam yeah yeah um but 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 you know i'm i'm i, I still care immensely about forest but um i think i'm able to rationalize the fact yeah. that it's only football so just going back to the that first those first kind of first few seasons when you started fo- following forest kind of um religiously i guess in the mid 90s um who were the kind of the players that you just adored at, at that time um i mean in in that team that we mentioned earlier that that uh 94 95 and sort of into 95 96 side was was and and again this this could all be related to the fact that it was you know this was the team that forest had when i first became yeah utterly yeah. obsessed with them uh, but but they were also such a great side in that season so it was sort of jam packed you've got you know it would be <laughs> You know, nearly every Forest fan would say that their, you know, their icon 
uh, cult hero is is Stuart Pearce. You know, the, yeah, he was at the club for so long, sort of captain fantastic, and and so you know you had Pearce, but then you also had um, players like Steve Chettle and Colin Cooper and Des Little, but then and then midfield for some reason I for some reason my favourite player was Lars Bohinen. Um yeah, and I was discussing favourite. Forest players a couple of weeks ago with a mate of mine and I and I was talking about Bohemian and saying I can't thing is I can't remember why I loved him so much you know I was too young to sort of like really properly appreciate someone's movement or distribution or vision you know like I was like why 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 did I love Lars Bohemian and and then Forrest's uh, Instagram account recently threw up some highlights of um, when we beat. Sheffield Wednesday 7-1 that season that and Bohinen scored this brilliant goal. and it was the outside outside of the right boot and he sort of curled it into the top corner and um and I, and I was like that's just reminded me it was that goal that made me <laughs> think Lars Bohinen was the best player on the planet Stone now Stone to Roy Bohinen oh what an audacious little chip that is from the Norwegian what a tremendous goal that's the kind of goal you score when you're six one up and you're about to make it seven. Um, but then, but then also around him in the midfield, you had Steve Stone, who Forest fans still love to this day. Yeah. Uh, Ian Wone, who just scored some incredible free kicks, uh, and then that front two of Collymore and Roy. I mean, I still think to this day that Stan Collymore is the best striker we've ever had and Brian Roy as well was just was just a touch of class and it was still at that time where anyone from abroad was a something was a fairly sort of novelty exotic yeah. player but he just he he just was a, a pretty elegant player so so I mean it they, they were such a fantastic team and then and then over the you know the following years we were a bit like Ipswich for a while I guess the archetypal yo-yo team and I guess Fulham in a way, you know, you had Charlie on the other week, but um, archetypal yo-yo team, and, and you know, we, you know, didn't do quite so well the season after Collymore left, Bohinen ended up leaving, and then the season after, I think it was ninety six, ninety seven, we got relegated again. Was that the season with the infamous eight one home defeat to United? <laughs> Was that no, I, do you know what? I think that was later. I think that was when because we came up again under That's Dave right. Bassett. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I feel like it was the season after because then, so then I, I actually went to quite a few games the season that we had in Division One, the Championship, uh, under Dave Bassett. And that was a very different side as well. A few of the same players remained, but we had Pierre Van Hoydonk and Kevin Campbell as our strike partnership. And. And we were great to watch that season too. You know, looking back, to have a player of Van Hoydonk's calibre playing in the second tier yeah. um, and playing for us. And and then in, and then what happened after as well. I mean, I've just, I've always wanted, an, uh, you know, talking about shirts, I always wanted a shirt from those seasons with Van Hoydonk on the back. They're quite hard to, I mean, I, I have found, I did find one. Um, in the end, but and it was all, and I was always thinking, oh, I wonder if I get any stick for this if I wear it down the city ground now because the, you know he left under such a cloud. He was sort of yeah. the first player to go on strike, uh, and he was public enemy number one uh, in Nottingham at the time. But then I look yeah. back on it, and I actually think that he was. I mean, he was. He essentially went on strike. 
because we'd sold, we got promoted and then we'd sold Kevin Campbell in the summer. And he saw that as a massive lack of ambition and it was yeah. a transfer that was done behind Dave Bassett's back. And, and I was like, Do you know, actually, you, you were right. That period in Forest's history has gone on to sort of, for me, it defines them as a club. I mean, and, and I guess a load of people might say this about their own teams, but it feels to me like no matter what, whether we're doing well or we're doing badly, there's never a dull moment with us. Yeah. There's always yeah. sort of some kind of drama just around the corner. It's yeah. either a promotion battle or a relegation dogfight. It's it's hapless owners and players on strike and yeah. So I say, you know, it's it's, it's it's frustrating at times, but I, I sort of wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, definitely. Well that's the sort of polar opposite to Ipswich over the last twenty years, um, bar our relegation last season where we were in the same division for nineteen seasons or something. We didn't really get, look like we were gonna get promoted or or relegated until we actually did, which is actually why this season, although it's obviously been sort of curtailed, but it's been really good fun. Like we're in League One playing these random teams like Rochdale and and Gillingham, and um, it's just different. It's just and yeah, again, and it, but, and the point it, earlier about it doesn't really matter how well a team's doing. It's actually you just it's an opportunity to go with your mates. And it's something different. When Forest were down there, we were down there for three seasons. Uh, I mean, I hated it. I have to say, I didn't enjoy one. <laughs> second. I remember that incredible playoff game. Was it Yeovil? Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, that's because <laughs> no. I mean, um, um, I mean, I mean, let's talk about playoffs because because <laughs> Forest have been in the playoffs a few times, and I've gone to a lot of playoff games, and we have never we've never won a tie. A playoff. We've never got to the playoff final. We've always lost over two really? legs, and um, oh, wow. the emotional roller coaster. I mean, I, I, I went a few years ago when I, I think when I had my first season ticket, and we were under Paul Hart. We we, we were we were a really decent side, and and we had Sheffield United. We drew one all at the City Ground, and then the return leg at Bramall Lane. We went two nil up, and I remember turning to my mate. We were going absolutely balmy and I turned to my mate and I said those fateful words we're going to Cardiff we're going <laughs> and then and then and then for everything to happen I mean and, and the way that we conspire to to lose these games too like you know in that match you know we conceded straight away after scoring our second and then by that by that point the momentum had shifted and you know for Des Walker to score the own goal in extra time that sealed it for them, you know, a former Wednesday player too, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, and, and, um, and, and then, yeah, that Yeovil League One, uh, we went, I went to the game at Hewish Park, we won 2-0, I think, in that game, and then, and then essentially, yeah, the, the, the scenario was, there were 10 minutes left of normal time, and all we had to do was not concede, like, two, or three, it might have been, and oh, we managed it. We managed it. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. That could be the last blow that Forrest, punch drunk Forrest, can possibly take. And the men from Somerset are celebrating. Wembley beckons. You had you had David Johnson back then as well, didn't you? He was at, We he, did. Ipswich legend. Yeah, yeah. He, he was great for us. And actually, I was going to come on to. Asking you about this because when we were talking to Charlie last week, we were talking about how um, when you meet a footballer. So when I still now, whenever I get the opportunity to meet a footballer, it doesn't matter what level they play at. I'm just 
I'm in awe of them. You know, I'm completely yeah. starstruck. Yeah. And Charlie was saying exactly the same thing. And I just wondered, and I, the reason I come on to that is because I remember I used to work in a, uh, a pub and David Johnson came in for a meal and I was like, oh my God, David Johnson's in for dinner. And then he got brought into the kitchen because I knew I was an Ipswich fan. So I met him <laughs> and he, he is the nicest man ever. Just the most lovely guy. Um, yeah, you know, well, well yeah. that's, I mean, and, and I guess that's, and that's, but that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Being from a place like Ipswich or a place like Nottingham that, you know, they're not massive towns and cities, but, um, but, and so, and so therefore, as soon as anyone signs for either of those clubs, you're sort of an immediate local celebrity and everyone in that place <laughs> yeah. and that kind of knows who you are. And, um, so, so yeah, I've sort of seen forest players all over the place. Well, I mean, actually back in those horrendous league one days, it was, it was around about the time when I'd done skins and uh, and that was on telly and that had been quite a it was a, like a big change for me you know that that was a sort of overnight thing they'd advertised yeah. the hell out of that show so as soon as it was on TV the next day you were getting you know recognised in the street and and especially because it was aimed so squarely at my demographic. You know, it was a, but so, and so, but but also, I was at that age. I was nineteen, so I was going out a lot and 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 drinking in town, and and I used to always see Chambers and McGugan on a Saturday <laughs> night, um, partying it up in media or yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to see, it and and they were they were, and they, so I used to, and and I don't know. I guess like maybe they'd seen the the program, and so they, I used to, they, I used to actually like when I saw them, used to sort of hang out and, and sort of chat with them a little Amazing. bit which, which yeah. I found which I found so, like such a novelty like and, uh, and, and, and and so I guess it's weird so from, from the perspective of, of being an yeah being an actor and then sort of all of a sudden and like you say being in still in awe of anyone that plays football and, and then the, the realisation that in some instances it's kind of I wouldn't say reciprocated in terms of awe, but there's a sort of like, they're interested in you as well. It really throws you off. I remember it's my mate's 21st uh, and he, he was living in London and we had it at some some bar in the West End. And, uh, you know, he hired like a table and everything. And and uh, obviously like, you know, Skins was, was, was popular at the time. And on the next table from us was Sean Wright Phillips. And and, oh, and I was so drunk, I was so pissed at the time. But we ended up like swapping numbers and like texting a bit. And I was like, "What am I gonna? What am I gonna say? Like meet up with Sean Wright Phillips after training one day or something?" And I and I remember, but but and he was really like, but he was really nice. But it, like, I remember, you know, the fateful that fateful uh, qualifying game where you know the Wally with the Broly against Croatia, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Wembley, where England didn't qualify for the Euros. And uh, and I remember before that texting him before that game saying, "Oh, good luck." Good luck uh, tonight, mate. And he was like, "Oh, nice one, nice one. Yeah, we qualify." I was like, "Bloody hell!" And then, and then, and then, and then. But then, my best story along those lines, um, when we were doing the, uh, I think it was season seven of Game of Thrones, and every year, uh, every new season, they they do a big swanky premiere, usually somewhere in America. And this time, for season seven, it was in LA, and. So they, I arrived uh, in LA and they were putting us up in this incredible hotel. And when I arrived, I did the first thing that most people do when they arrive anywhere now, which is try to work out what the Wi-Fi code was. So I don't get on the Wi-Fi. 
And, uh, and so I was searching for available networks and one of the networks that came up was MUFC. And I was like, hold on. And I'd just been reading about, uh, it, they were doing the Romelu Lukaku deal. And I remember reading uh, something in, a, in an article saying, if uh, he's going to go and have a medical and then he'll join up with the team who are on their pre-season tour in Los Angeles. Oh, and I was no. like, I reckon we might be in the same hotel as the United side. So later on that, Later on that evening, I sort of I went out for a little wander to get my bearings, and sure enough, in the lobby, there's loads of people in United polo shirts, whether it be analysts, fitness coaches, backroom staff, whatever. And uh, and I was like, right, okay, all right, they're definitely here. I've got the information I needed. I needed now. I'm going to go back up to my room. So I walk, I walk up. I walk up to the lift, and there's two blokes in the polo shirts waiting at the doors. The doors open. I go to the guys are you guys going to get in? And they went, oh, you know, one minute, pal, one minute. So I'm like, all right, I get in the lift. They hold the doors. And like 10 seconds later, Jose walked in. Got in the lift. And I'm stood in this lift with Jose Mourinho. And, I, and a, a couple of like seconds of silence. And then they go, you're right, Jose? How's, uh, how's, how's pre-season? How's it going? And he goes, well, yes, yes, it's, it's good, but uh, it's hot. It's hot. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, well, I have LA, man, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> got to swap numbers. <laughs> okay, but yeah, well, and, 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 and then he got out, the, he, he, got out, he got out of the first floor. I don't know if he was on the first floor, if he just wanted to get the fuck away <laughs> yeah, from me. Panic, panic, but, um, panic. But then, so I was like, well, I don't care, I met Jose Mourinho. And then, and then, yeah. um, and then as, the, as the days rolled on, other members of our cast, who are big United fans, obviously got talking to some of the staff members... And they were like, oh, well, I mean, God, we, you know, the, we love the show. Like, why don't you guys come to, we're playing the LA Galaxy uh, in a couple of days. Why don't you guys come along? We'll sort you out. Uh, why don't you come and watch the team train? And so I went along uh, to the game against Galaxy. And then a couple of days later, I went with John Bradley to go watch the side train. And I definitely just thought it was going to be an open training session. And it was just going to be like... He's a huge United fan. I mean, he bought his flat in Salford because it looks out over Old Trafford. Oh, wow. Um, wow. But, but yeah, so, and I thought it was going to be an open training session where we arrive and then they go, all right, lads, thanks for coming. Um, yeah, just take a seat. Lads will be out training in a second. Um, but it wasn't. And it was just us. And uh, we went and the first guy we met was Jose. And oh, my God. So hey, you're the guy from the lift. <laughs> well, 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 do you know what? Well, no, tell you what. This is this is how this is how you know he's a a brilliant man manager slash lying bastard. Is that he goes? Is that we said? So I went to shake his hand and I went, "Hi, all right, Jose. I'm I'm Joe." Um, so I actually met briefly in the, in the lift of the hotel the other day. And he went, "Yes, yes, I know, I know. I, um, I I didn't I didn't want to bother you." And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, shut the fuck up. You have no idea who I am. And then he went into this, but, but he was, he was so, it was really bizarre because he was the, he seemed so laid back, open, friendly, relaxed, like none of that dark persona that he sort of had a lot of at United in the, in, in the public. Yeah. Went into this big, long spiel about how, you know, he loves TV. He loves Peaky Blinders, I think it is that he loves. And then, and then, and then as that, as that morning progressed, like it was just, it was, it was crazy to realise when, when I talk about that sort of actual reciprocal thing that, you know, actually footballers, what are, you know, they, they, most of the time they're 
their finished work by one one thirty in the afternoon, yeah. but they can't go to the pub. You know, there's so many things that they can't sort of do to pass the time. So of course they watch a lot of box sets. And I mean, when it was amazing to experience it with John Bradley, who's a massive United fan, and to see him in real time try and process all these emotions. Because like when Paul Pogba saw John Bradley, Paul Pogba lost his shit. <laughs> we had, we we had. Um, there was a point at which. Yeah, before training, before training, David De Gea came over to us and asked if he could have a picture. And we were like, yeah, like, of course. Had this sort of picture with David De Gea. And then he runs off, does the training session. And then at the end of the training session, we're sort of walking away. And he runs over, stops us and says, oh, I'm really, really sorry. The, uh, the uh, picture we had before was, was no good. Can we, can, do you mind if we take, a, take another one? And we're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, sure, mate. It's amazing make, to meet you. And make it quick. Took a picture. Took a picture with him, and then he was like, he was like, oh, yeah, thanks, guys, thanks, guys. And then we walked, we left David De Gea, like, looking over <laughs> the image to, to check oh, that he had a clear really... photo with us. Oh, God. And so, oh, I mean, God. it's so it's crazy. I mean, and, and that's uh, just for, 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 just for that, I will be so thankful to be a part of Game of Thrones. I think there are very few TV shows where you, that give you that and, and afford you those experiences. like bad really bad really bad what do they look like what do they smell like how do they move how hard are they to kill look i know you want to fight all right you're not scared of rapers or murderers or this is different this is this is death you want to know what they're like death that's what they're like So you you were talking about um, uh, uh, John Bradley earlier, being a huge uh, United fan. Um, are there other? Sean Bean is really a massive Sheffield United fan as well. Were there other? Um, was there any other footballing rivalries in in the Game of Thrones cast? Well, do you know? Well, here, okay. So here's an oddity: um, Nikolai Costawaldo, who played Jamie Lannister, supports Leeds. Yeah, I saw that. What? Yeah, what is so, that? So, oh, he did that thing for Football Focus, he did. didn't he? That, he did. That sort so of, yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, well, he so it so I think he when he was younger he was going out with a a girl from Leeds. I don't know if he studied over here maybe or did like a you know a, a year over here as part of his uh, his uni course or something. But he he was going out with a girl from Leeds and her brother was a massive Leeds fan and he sort of got it got into it through right. her brother and it's just sort of kept kept it up. So so we used to so so in terms of. Yeah, so so there weren't many outside of the Premiership, you know, like Kit's a United fan, Conleth Hill is also a United fan, uh, and then there's just a bunch of people that don't give a toss about football. So so in terms of like Championship rivalry, it was only really Nikolai that I could have a proper chats with about you know about Forest. And you are you are a big uh, football shirt enthusiast. Is that the right way to to describe you? Uh, I guess so. Addict. Yeah. I don't know. Addict. Okay, addict. Addict. Yeah. Enthusiast is the <laughs> is the sort of Enthusiast you know is moderate, is the, it? slightly more rosy way of looking at it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's it kind of what sparked that you kind of interest in or or love affair with football shirts and and, and which are the ones that really sort of stand out for you? Um, well, there were. I mean, so it, it all started uh, with a friend of mine back home in Nottingham called Silas. 
who I used to go to my my drama workshop with. He was he was my mate from there, and um, and he's a Liverpool fan, and I think maybe around the age of seventeen, seventeen or something, uh, he, or sixteen, he started turning up t- to like to meet up with me in these just beautiful. 80s Liverpool shirts talking like the sort of the Rome was it Rome 84 final the um, with the yellow umbro and the oh, pinstripes yeah. and, oh, nice. and some wow. lovely like Adidas crown paints you know those oh, yeah. those iconic shirts and I and I and, I, and, I, and so I, I think I basically saw him wearing them and, and said that they're incredible where, where do you get them from and he told me, he said, well, you know, you look around for them a bit, you know, find them on eBay and stuff. And, and, and even then, they were, for those shirts, it was relatively sort of pricey for the time. But you, but you could find a bargain if you really, if you really dug around. And so that, so that's, that was the beginning of it for me. I mean, I'd had, I'd had shirts. I mean, I was, to be honest, I was obsessed with football shirts as a kid. You know, the first kit I ever had was the Forest 94, 95 home with the, with the Black Labats. The black stripes are that yeah, side yeah. of the bats, uh, and that's, so I had that as a as a kid, and then and and then again I said the first sort of game I ever stayed up to watch was was Brazil versus Italy in the final of World Cup '94, and after Brazil won that, I wanted the Brazil shirt, but back then you couldn't really find them anywhere. It wasn't you know sports shops didn't really stock the Brazil shirt in kids sizes, even though like a World Cup had been on. Um, so I, ne- I you know I didn't I didn't get it as a kid and then, and then from that point on like I, I just I sort of wanted them all the time I didn't always get them because they were you know god my mum was just was just horrified at how expensive football shirts were and how and you know and your old parents did they looked how thin they were what a rip-off <laughs> and um and but 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 I used to buy them with my like my saved up birthday money or or whatever saved up pocket money and stuff so I'd if you look if you if you see photos I've, I've my mum and dad gave me a photo album on my 18th birthday, sort of, you know, me growing up, I guess. And, and I'm just always in football shirt. And I'm looking at them now going, God, I wish I had that now. I wish I had that <laughs> yeah. shirt. Yeah. And um, uh, so, so, so I was always in them. But then, I, but, I, but then my friend got me into sort of collecting seriously as, a, as an adult, uh, I guess. And it, it was at that point that I, for the most part, I stopped buying uh, Forest's sort of, contemporary shirts most of all because I just didn't I didn't like them as much I didn't see as much sort of um creativity in the design and and so and so the first shirt I ever bought I think I went straight in at the top the first shirt I ever bought uh on eBay in sort of vintage terms was uh Forest 1980 home which has so it's just really simple adidas Red with the three stripes on the sleeve, and it's got European Cup winners nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty under the crest. Oh, nice, nice. Um, did that and, have the Panasonic? And, and I, was it the one with the Panasonic sponsor, or was that? Did that? Come no, later? we had we had no sponsor. That was later. Yeah. Um, so it, it had no sponsor, uh, and and I, and I wore it actually. I mean, I, I don't think I fit into it now. Um, I was a bit more slight back then, but um, but, I, but I used to wear it to games, and it was sort of, and I felt. And because and, and I think and I think what and I think what then kickstarted the rest of it is that 
Because for me, there, there is, no matter what anyone says, I think there's, there's undoubtedly an ego thing and a one-upmanship and a sort of I've got a slightly more obscure shirt Massively. than you, and I, Massively. and therefore I care. Therefore, I care more about this team than you do. Yeah, um, I'm more worried. And than so, you. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think back then, I mean, we're talking, we're talking sort of twelve, thirteen years ago now. Uh, you didn't get many. There weren't that many people wearing older shirts. You know, the the, the culture was definitely still. You know, you either wore. A Stone Island jacket and Aquascutum hat, or <laughs> yeah. or you had the current shirt, you yeah. know, or maybe the season before. Yeah. So, so that's where it started for me, and it's just it's it's spiraled from from there really. As a as a in my early twenties, I'd sort of you know find things every now and again, and and if a, a shirt came to me, it was usually a shirt that I'd loved as a. I think I heard Charlie say something about you know living out his boyhood dreams, you know buying the shirts you couldn't afford when you were a kid and. And st- and still to this day, I think one of my best, I think one of my best finds is uh, from eBay. I bought, uh, and and again, this is it's got to be at least twelve years ago now. I bought the uh, Barcelona away strip ninety six ninety seven when they won the cup winners cup the turquoise, the turquoise cap shirt. Incredible shirt, yeah. And I got it, and I found it with Ronaldo on the back, which is what I wanted, oh. and with the cup winners cup badge on the sleeve. Oh. Yeah. Couldn't believe, like em- embroidered on, and um, and I think I think I paid about sixty quid for it, which you know, like I mean, back then was a fair amount of money, but it still it still was less than I was expecting to pay for it. And then, and I remember, funnily enough, because I, I used to wear them as well, and when my last day on Skins was also my first day on Doctor Who. I did an episode of Doctor Who, right, and it properly back to back. I think we'd had the rap party for Skins the night before, and then I'd been driven from Bristol to Cardiff to film Doctor Who the next morning. M- mega hungover. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was in the hotel room uh, in Bristol. She just kind of was hanging around in Bristol for the day. And I got back in the evening, and she looked at me, and I was in this like baggy pair of tracky bottoms and that Barcelona shirt. And she said, so, sorry, you, you met people for the first time looking like that. And I was like, this is cool. I was like, this is cool. You don't understand the shirt. And then, and then, and then a, a, about, you know, about a year ago, I think I saw that shirt on eBay without any of the sort of extra detail for like yeah. 250 quid or something. It had yeah, tags yeah. on, but you know, it's like, yeah, I knew I'd be vindicated one day. Ahead of your time. So I was going to, you see, you actually wear the shirts as well. Cause that's, that's quite bold. The, my most treasured shirts. I just I can't wear them. I just they live in a plastic box. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't wear them. I don't wear them very often. But um, but I'm but but I'm actually I'm making a conscious effort to try and wear them more because otherwise, what like genuinely, what is the point? Uh, I mean, I know I think you know I, I I buy shirts that I like the look of um, and that I you know and if I had a fondness for that particular side and. You know, I've got you know, I've got a few, I've got a few tagged shirts, and I'm like, and and I've just left them there with tags. I had this ninety, ninety four PSG long sleeved, with tags, and I was just like, take the tags off, just take them off and wear it, you idiot. Because what's the point? I, I know you're shaking your head, but like, but like, <laughs> what, I, like I, I don't, I don't envisage myself selling them. Plastic, yeah. but yeah, that's exactly what I've got, and and and, and I do think that it's, you know. Uh, you know, part of I'm very lucky that with the job that I do, I have a bit of sort of disposable income, and I spend a lot of it on football <laughs> shirts and benchwear, and yeah. and so I just think, 
you know, it's 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 a it's a kind of an, it's an indulgent pastime and it's an expensive pastime. And I, what's the point of just having them sat in a box for the next twenty years? We've mentioned a couple of times so far about this whole about it sort of starting in childhood and shirts that you loved when you were a kid and kind of wanting to own them as an adult. And it's all it 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 loops back to that thing that you did as kids. You got something new. And you kept it in the box, and then what is it from Home Alone? Home Alone Two, where he tells the old woman with the pigeons that you know he had these rollerblades, and he just never <laughs> wanted to ruin them, so he didn't get them out of the box. And then he grew out of them. And it's like we kind yeah. of it, it's, it's it's a hard balance to strike between looking after them and and I mean and also recognizing that they're things of value now. So just a couple of things. I know we've been chatting for a while now. I want to talk to you about away days. Actually, I'm sort of loop back to this slightly. Um, but um, again, talking to Charlie about going away, I love going away. Charlie absolutely loved it, loves it as well. And I just wondered if um, if you were, you mentioned that you go to the London Games when you go away, but it's, it feels different, doesn't it, when you go away? And it's like a, it's a very different kind of um, sort of atmosphere and a, a feeling. Yeah, well, well, I think just just for the pure fact that you've all, I mean, <laughs> unless you're someone that lives in London and it's just going because it's actually closer to you than the city ground. Going away is you've had to make a concerted effort to get there, and I think that you know, you know, you inevitably. When I first started going to away games, the feeling was, oh, we, you know, we we are the, we are the ones that really, really give a shit about this, yeah. and 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 yeah, and there's and and obviously being being outnumbered and. And, and and because it's and it's a day like you say it's an away day it's an away day it takes up the entire day so there's just a bit more of a carnival atmosphere I guess you know it's usually the away end that are, unless they're getting thumped it's the away end that are sort of chanting all the way through you know you're not you don't sit down in the away end ever you know so you know everything everything about it we used to we used to get the the sort of the coaches that the club laid on we used yeah. to we used to get them to a lot of away matches and and so that in itself is part of the whole experience the journey getting there and the journey coming home and the contrasting emotions between those two journeys potentially depending on what the result's been um and and and, and i guess just on a sort of you know what i remember as a as a as a teenager going that there, there, there was all, there was a bit of a thrill to potential danger you know sort of put, putting yourself in you know uh you know behind enemy lines or whatever to, i mean that that's that's too extreme a phrase but you know what i mean like you're you know you're you know you're in this city and you're playing the local team and you might be wearing the sh- you know we'd usually wear the shirt we weren't we weren't sort of a stone island and burberry bunch me and my friends but um but um but yeah there's something about that too any any notable away days that you uh, that stick out in the memory <laughs> Loads. There's ones that I can't share, but this one, how this, 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 this one, this one I'll happily share. So, um, uh, Forest, uh, obviously their biggest game of the season is uh, the games against Derby. Uh, Derby away, therefore, at Pride Park being the one that you most look forward to because of all the, those sort of added elements about being the away team that, that we mentioned before. Um, I mean, I've had universally awful experiences at Pride Park. It sort of really <laughs> tallies with my feelings towards them as a club. Uh, yeah. It's a godforsaken place. But um, but I can't remember which season it was now. But we weren't particularly good and they were doing their usual sort of promotion push and then inevitable bottle job. 
<laughs> but we were, but it was it, so it was half time, and I think it was either nil nil or possibly one nil to Derby. And five minutes before the break, me and my mate Tom went down to get a beer. And by that point, it was already pretty busy at the at the kiosk at the bar. And it was his round, so he was like, "Well, I'll 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 queue up and I'll I'll get beers for us." So he gets to the front of the queue eventually. So I make my way around to him. He gets, he's got two pints. He hands me one, and he goes, "Oh, shit! Did I, did you, did I put my phone down on the bar?" I was like, "I don't know, mate. I didn't see." He was like, "Ah, oh, bollocks! I think I put my phone down on the bar, and now it's not there anymore." And I was like, "Would you want me to ring it?" He went, "Yeah, okay, mate. That'd be good." So I, I ring his phone. And a few feet away from us, there's this group of also forest fans, but they're quite they're sort of tracksuit, bedecked in yeah. tracksuits, look a little <laughs> bit shifty, a little bit scally. Yeah. And um, and as my mate's phone starts mm. to ring, one of them's hand moves almost imperceptibly to the his tracky bottom pocket, and I was like, mm, mate, <laughs> I don't know. I think he might have it because they'd been there. They'd been at the bar like just after. And so we're like, oh, what are we going to do? And we'd had a few beers ourselves. So he said, well, I said, well, look, look, just go and just ask the question. Like, pretend, give him an out. Like, just pretend that it might have been a mistake. So my mate goes over to him and says, excuse me, I'm not, I'm not being funny or anything, mate. Just, um, I don't suppose you by accident picked up an iPhone um, off the bar uh, a couple of, uh, you know, about five minutes ago. And this guy immediately went full on defensive. He just went, <laughs> you fucking what, mate? What? What are you accusing me of, man? What are you accusing me of? What, what do you think? Oh, what are you talking? And it's like, and then his mates start gathering around and they start <laughs> kicking off. And me and me and my friend are there and we're going, look, mate, we're not accusing you of anything. We're just asking the question, but they're there. And, and immediately you're thinking, this is like an admission. You, you don't get that defensive unless you've yeah, yeah, like, yeah. done something wrong. And they're really starting to boot off. And me and my mate are thinking, oh God, have we got ourselves into this mess? And as they're, as, and, and, as as they're getting more and more irate, Forest fans behind us that we don't know are sensing that there's like fans arguing amongst themselves and as they're going, hey, well, lads, what, what, what are you kicking off about, lads? What's the problem, eh? What are you shouting for? <laughs> and then they, and then they start, and then the lads, the scally lads, start turning, turning, turning their focus on the guys behind us and it's starting to get quite heated. The police are starting to look over and so me and, me and Tom are like, Oh, mates, just sod it. Let's just get out of here before this kicks off. Let's just get back up to the seats. So we like drain our beers, slink off up to the stairs. And as we're going up the stairs, behind us, someone throws a punch and all <laughs> hell breaks loose behind us. Just, it's mayhem. There's beer, there's pints flying, there's punches <laughs> being thrown. I've got my, um, uh, Jack O'Connell, uh, who's a mate of mine, who's a Derby fan, was at the game and he's texting me going, What's this, mate? I just heard you lot are all kicking off amongst yourselves in your end. It was carnage, absolute carnage, man. And we got back up to uh, up to our seats. We sat down, and Tom goes, puts his hand to his inside pocket, and goes, "Oh shit, no, there it is." <laughs> oh god. So uh, oh, yeah, magic, we just uh, caused some mayhem at Pride Park for no reason. Amazing. Uh, Joe, can we just? quickly talk about dens as well the charity that you're involved in, yes and just to, yeah. just to find out a bit more about it because it does some some fantastic work i i ended up uh, getting involved around about a year ago really my my older sister nikki uh, had recently started working for them uh, as a fundraiser uh and 
you know, I'd wanted to go and just see what she did at work for a while anyway. So uh, she, she said, that would be great. It could, you know, come over and we'll show you the uh, the Elms, which is the facility that, that they have, uh, which provides rooms uh, and kitchens for, for homeless people. And uh, and I went and I spent the day there. And it's it's, it's it really is an incredible place because you talk to the service users um, and not only does it become so keenly apparent how like what a knife edge a life can be and yeah. how just sort of if one domino falls that you can find you know any one of us could find ourselves in that in that situation mm. um but then uh, but and, and and dens really recognizes that and treats everyone there as such and and it's not just about sort of going well all right well you can come in but we can give you two nights accommodation and and meals and then you know you're out on your ear again it's a really holistic approach you know they they have uh counselors and advisors that work with the service users and try and find ways for them to pull themselves out of um out of the situation that they're in and create something that's that they can self-sustain as well and and so it's 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 a really forward-thinking uh holistic approach to to tackle a problem that's that's unfortunately increasing um and i mean the other thing that they do is run and operate a food bank um which serves um again sadly increasing numbers of people in that borough uh so just so all in all it's just such a such a vital service for i mean it's based in hertfordshire in the borough of of decorum and it's just become a really vital service there i have a personal connection to it through my sister but um yeah i just think that i just think they're a great great charity i just finally just um on, on what you're kind of up to at the moment, obviously not very much at the moment because we're all stuck <clears> indoors. But um, what's what's next? What's next for you? Um, well, there's there's uh, adult material, which is a uh, four part drama for Channel Four that I, I, I shot last year, which is about porn. Uh, so Excellent. you know, don't watch it with your parents, but um, <laughs> I won't be watching it with mine, uh, thankfully. But um, but yeah, it's it's uh, that was supposed to be on uh, in April, but uh, it, it requires a ten o'clock time slot, and I think that Channel Four were slightly worried that everyone's watching the news. So, uh, <laughs> so hopefully, you know, maybe next month, um, yeah, maybe sometime in May, that that'll be out, and you know, when people are sort of slightly got a bit of news fatigue by then, hopefully, and. Um, but 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 it's great. I've I've seen it all, and it's a really interesting look at at the porn industry and um, and society's relationship with it, uh, amongst numerous other things. Um, and then I was supposed to be starting a uh, something just before this happened, uh, a job for for Netflix. But the plan is for that still to happen. But just in case it doesn't, I sort of don't really want to. To talk about it to you. It's a bit, but 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 I, but I, you know, I got I got very lucky because I was supposed to fly, uh, fly out to to start shooting it uh, on a Saturday, yeah. And it was only on the Friday night before that Netflix made the decision to suspend production on all of its um, right, all of its right, projects. Right, so right. so it's kind of good because I wouldn't have liked it. There's a, there's a chance there that I could have been stranded abroad yeah, yeah. while all this was kicking off. So so yeah, got got lucky. Joe, thanks so much for that. It was. Um... No, thanks for. I mean, fascinating, really, really interesting. 
It's great to hear from another football, another proper football fan of a club which has probably seen better days as well. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But um, but but I mean, this is I mean, f- football and football shirts are sort of the only two things I can talk about with any authority at length. So, <laughs> so yeah. I've really enjoyed it. So thanks for thanks for having me on. <laughs>